Hey guys, and welcome back to the Dental Duo Podcast. Today we'll be talking about a hot topic that is very recent and affects the UK. And this is water fluoridation. But before we start, I'd like to give a huge shout out to Rand for providing us a fun fact of today. Did you know that there's over 100 million microscopic bacteria that's found in your toothbrush? It just goes to show how important it is to change your toothbrush regularly. So we'd like to split this segment with another segment. So we'll just explain the basic concepts of water fluoridation. And it's very important to understand the effectiveness of water fluoridation and how it's been implemented in many countries. It was first seen in the US where they found a natural source of water fluoridation and researchers saw that there was a lack of tooth decay, but because there was an excess amount of fluoridation that was found in the water, it stained the population's teeth, and overexposure to fluoride is what causes this, and this is called fluorosis. Yeah, so as you mentioned, in the 1940s, it was first implemented in the public water supply for the US. So uh, fluoride the actual substance for water fluoridation is a naturally occurring material found in water, milk, and many foods. So using its presence and alongside good diet choices, it's a major preventative approach to dental caries. So the level of fluoride naturally naturally occurs in water uh, and it varies across the country. It's carefully controlled at one milligram of fluoride per liter of water which is a safe level found, in, found to reduce teeth decay levels. So what is the term for teeth decay? So that's known as dental caries. And to prevent dental caries, as we mentioned, uh, the toothpaste has a general level uh, of fluoride. Uh, so it's usually 1,450 parts per million or PPM. However, if there's higher concentrations, which require, which require a prescription from a dentist, so the dentist would usually have to take consideration of the person's age so like the toxicity of the fluoride is taken into consideration when considering the age and also the caries risk for example a high sugar diet or poor oral hygiene when uh, when recommending a fluoride-based toothpaste a dentist should take all these factors into account uh, when prescribing the toothpaste so how did we come about to introduce water fluoridation in the uk and so bringing up tooth decay as you, it's UK's highest oral health disease that is found within children. And so this is because children are exposed to high sugary diets. And so it just shows the importance of preventative care and how important it is for the implementation of water fluoridation. As fluoride protects against high sugary diets and promotes good oral health. Yeah, just to continue from that, so like certain areas of the UK uh, have naturally have a higher level of fluoride in the water. And areas such as Birmingham have been fluoridated for many years and they, uh, and they experience much lower rates of dental caries. So it's up to the local councils in the UK to decide uh, if their area receive water fluoridation or not. A study in 2003 and 2004 uh, studied if children, uh, children which note to have mild or very mild for fluorosis, and they were re-seen seven to nine years later. 
The study, the study found out that the conditions have a tendency to diminish with time. They have no negative effect on the particip participants' perception of their oral health. Now that we have a general basis and know the concepts of water fluoridation, let's move on to the next segment. So we'll play a little game where Ali is against is pros and I'm against water fluoridation. So would you like to start? Okay, so I'll say some arguments for water fluoridation. So uh, there's no solid evidence that is harmful or has adverse effects at the levels currently added to the water supplies. Another argument is fluoride has different mechanisms by which it's strengthened and helps to protect the teeth from dental caries. This is uh, because it encourages remineralization of enamel because in enamel, when like sufficient fluoride is ingested as child in the development of enamel, uh, it alters its structure and it favors remineralization. So it also helps to reduce the amount of acid that the bacterial like metabolic pathways can produce, which damage your teeth, which damage your teeth by disrupting certain bacterial uh, bacterial enzymes. So it reduces acid and in turn prevents caries. It's also cheap and effective, uh, a cheap and effective public public health measure, which tackles widespread chronic chronic problems of caries. And the benefit of this is mainly to reduce uh, the tooth decay and it outweighs the potential negatives of fluorosis. Uh, that's most of the arguments for, and they're all backed up by solid evidence in recent articles. So now it's Justin's turn to state some arguments against water fluoridation. With the implementation of water fluoridation, some people will be against it. So... People might see that water fluoridation is a mass medication which takes away their autonomy to decide whether they personally want it. And an excess amount of fluoride will cause fluorosis and this is when your teeth start to stain. And so after water is fluoridated, it's very difficult to control how much people drink and lead to this excess amount. And nowadays, people are receiving fluoride from different sources, as well as water. So it makes the amount of fluoride that can be considered safe. So the benefits to fluoride is already formed. No, sorry. The benefits of fluoride to already formed adult teeth may be greater than when they are applied topically rather than taking it systematically through drinking. Yep, I agree with uh, all the benefits and the arguments against are also valid and should be taken into consideration. So we have went for the pros and the cons of uh, fluoridation. We also discussed dental caries and uh, the actual substance of fluoride. And we also looked at the different areas of the country which have water fluoridation. So like the, tip, the main argument of today's news is, should it be across the whole UK? Like, should, it, should all water supplies be water fluoridated? And there's no right or wrong answer to this because both sides of the argument should be taken into consideration. This brings us to an end to this part of the podcast, but we'll move on to the sugar tax levy in a few moments. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the sugar tax, which is other no, otherwise known as the soft drinks industry le levy. 
The UK sugar tax, officially known as the Soft Drinks Industry Levy, was announced in March 2016 and came into effect in April 2018. So what is the aim of the sugar tax? The aim is to reduce sugar in soft drinks and tackle childhood obesity. The tax has led to many manufacturers reducing the sugar content of drinks and those who will not, uh, who don't, will pay a, 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 a levy, which is basically the tax paid to the government. So the drinks produced that contain too much added sugar will have an extra fee on top of that, on top that the manufacturer pays to the government. Under the new levy, sugar, sugar drinks now have to pay either 18p or 20p added to the price per litre, depending on the sugar content. But how does the nation feel about the sugar tax uh, a couple years on and ha has it affected our buying behaviour? So uh, in recent articles, uh, it says it's a reformulation success. So the UK sugar levy has arguably been very successful from a public health point of view. That's from a 2021 article. And the reduction intake is almost 6,500 calories from soft drinks per annum per UK resident. So Justin, we'll just get into statistics of this. Okay, so in 2019, over half of the UK adults support the tax and 20% don't even have a side. 17% oppose and 6% originally oppose but now support it. The results of the buying behaviours shows positive outcomes. One of the 10 adults, so 9%, said that they used to pay sugary drinks, but now they choose uh, a, a cheaper version and lower sugar or sugar-free options, and they don't want to pay extra. So encouragingly, 49% of the adults said that they don't drink any sugary drinks so that the tax doesn't affect them. And a further 9% said that they usually buy sugary drinks, but paying extra is uh, starting to bother them so that they're considering to switch to cheaper versions uh, of the uh, lower sugar or sugar-free options soon. Only 12% remain undeterred by the tax and said that they will continue to buy sugary drinks as usual. Yeah, so that's the statistics. So let's get into why it is important for dentistry. So raising the price of sugary drinks for manufacturers means that in theory, fewer drinks containing added sugar are produced. However, producers can also pass this cost onto the consumer, making sugar sugary drinks more expensive for them. This means that people are less likely to drink these and may choose a healthier alternative. This is due to consuming the consumption of less sugar less frequently is an important piece of preventative advice given to patients to decrease their risk of caries, or if they already have caries, further caries. Hence why the sugar tax is an important public health intervention. From an oral health perspective, it's important to know, note that even lower sugary uh, fizzy drinks can have harmful effects on teeth. So you should take the stand of like all fizzy drinks contain high levels of acid, including carbonic, phosphoric and citric acid, which all uh, play a factor in weakening and eroding the tooth enamel. 
So for dentists should recommend plain water, milk, and unsweetened tea or coffee because they are far more tooth-friendly options. So let's talk about the pros. So it encourages the manufacturers to reduce the production of sugary drinks or it lowers the existing amount to within recommended guidelines. It also encourages consumers to reduce buying sugary drinks as the price of it may be higher. And it also raises the revenue for the government, which could be possibly reinvested into promoting healthier foods or drinks or their diets or other industries that promote overall health. Yep, and I'll just get into the cons of this. So there's potentially more diet uh, drinks now consumed, which may have a certain harm, a certain level of harmful chemicals and acidity from the fizz, and this can cause dental erosion. Another uh, downside of this is the tax is only added uh, only on added sugars, whereas drinks like pure fruit juices still contain a lot of sugars, and they are harmful to the teeth and body if drunk in excess. The manufacturer pays the levy, but they may pass it on to the consumer in the form of a higher price. So it becomes more expensive, especially affecting lower income families. So that's worth taking into consideration. It also doesn't consider other unhealthy foods or drinks. Another argument is that should the government be able to control what people can and cannot consume in certain products? And this brings us to an end. Okay, thank you for listening. This is me, Justin, and Dali signing out. Yep, so we, it's, a, it's a little bit shorter this time, but we think we should keep it shorter in the upcoming episodes just to for productivity and also so we don't waffle a lot. So I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Week.